powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. It's March Mania at Sports Interaction. NHL, NBA, March Madness, MLB, and so much more. It's bananas. Play Pinata Picks and Minute Madness, exclusive games with insane odds you can't play anywhere else. Make your next bet with Sports Interaction. Download the app in Ontario using the QR code on your screen or head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn to get started. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Game Over Ottawa on an episode that I think is going to be a little bit more positive than expected, frankly. Um, I am once again joined by Travis Yost. Welcome back to the show, man. Um, really I, I was a little worried. That. I'm like, you, you're talking about positivity. I don't know that I'm always the right guy for striking the positivity <laughs> note, but honestly, yeah, I, I, at least if you were focusing on just today's effort, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. That Ottawa was just as competitive as, as Carolina was tonight and just fell short late. Yeah, it's one of those games where I, th- I think you look at it like, you know, this this team that is probably I, w- I would say unanimously decided the 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 number two team in the league right now, uh, playing against a team playing their seventh goalie of the season, uh, missing not just their top defenseman but their top defense pair. Um, and I mean you got like a whole bunch of other injuries in there. Norris out all season, Hamnick out a whole bunch of guys. So the fact that it went to OT, I think, is um, you know maybe this is a, <laughs> a depressing way of looking at things, but that's you know. Like, as far as, you know, not actually getting a real win, that feels, you know, like a, a good, at the very least, there was a, there's a clear effort made in this game. No, they're, they're, they're a, uh, Carolina is no doubt about it. They're a measuring stick team. I mean, the same way Boston is. And I, I mean, just three, maybe three, four weeks ago, right before Svechnikov's injury, I, I thought there was an, an argument, although I, I don't think it's the majority argument. I thought there was an argument to make that Carolina, it could have been the number one team going into the postseason, if only because um, Carolina is probably the only team over the last two seasons that has had Boston's number. But at, at, at a minimum, you're talking 1A, 1B, right? I mean, those oh, are the two sure. top-tier teams in the league. Colorado, when they're healthy, maybe he's in that boat, but he obviously hasn't been this year. But I, I, and, I think, and I think as a measuring stick team, where you're looking from, you know, especially in an Ottawa, a lot of lineup, they're on their seventh goalie. I thought Marilina was fantastic for the most part. Um, I mean, it was competitive. Chances were relatively even. If you look at, I mean, Ottawa actually owned the, I think they had about 54% of the expected goals at even strength. And I think power play time, Carolina had an awful lot of power play time. They had that double minor in the first period. Um, so it felt a little more tilted towards maybe Ottawa's end, um, you know, all situations, but absent what I thought was yet another just ghoulish performance from Ottawa's bottom six. I thought it was re- two relatively uh, comparable teams tonight that played at a very high pace of play with a lot of skill on display. And quite frankly, at this point of the year, that's kind of what you're looking for if you're an Ottawa fan. Definitely. And and a couple points um, in response to what you just said. Number one, I know goalies are voodoo. It's impossible to know what's happening. But I, And I don't want to put too much pressure on Marilinen, but he does kind of come in as uh, the best uh, hope for the team going forward, just that. And it's, it's weird. Like I think he's a perfect example of why goalies are weird. He has a, he had a sub 900 save percentage in the OHL uh, season ago, then goes. And I believe I don't have the stats in front of me, but off the top of my head, I believe it's over 40 games and had a nine twelve in the top finish league. So it's, I, and I'll, I'll give you, 
I, I have to I have to invoke Graham Nichols' name because he he literally tweeted this like ten minutes ago and it, it got me thinking about it a little bit. It it on the goalie voodoo piece and and how volatile performance can be, especially in these you know just a couple hundred games or even less than that in some cases. You on the short list of goalies who have outplayed Philip Gustafson in in Minnesota this year is like Ilya Sorokin. Um, Linus Solmark and like a handful of others, and maybe right. that's it. And that was a goalie that was, I don't want to say written off, but it, it felt like he was going down the path of journeyman backup. And yeah. quite frankly, he saved Minnesota's ass this year. So, I mean, you, you kind of see this, um, you see it manifest in every market and, you know, sometimes it is stumbling into it's one, one game is one game, but I thought he looked composed. Like that's all you can really glean from a goalie in a single game. Like, you, you know, you can watch one, you can watch the same goalie on back-to-back nights, give up six, give up zero. And he looks like he's playing the same game. Right. It, he yeah. looked in this case though, I thought marijuana looked very composed. Um, and, and, and I think that, you know, especially for younger teams, that element of stability is always worth its weight in gold. And it gives, it gives a skating group in front that they can play. And especially this Ottawa lineup that's young, they want to get up ice. They want to play aggressively. They're going to make mistakes. You got to let them make mistakes. The last thing you want to put behind a team like that is a bad goalie. That's going to concede goals, you know, at will. So definitely, uh, definitely a bright spot tonight. Yeah. And uh, another point you mentioned, you mentioned the, uh, on that uh on that double minor so i don't know if you know the i don't know even if it's if it's one of those things that is in like like set in stone like we know for a fact this is the the rule because so many rules are just kind of ambiguous with the nhl um so they were is it is it because i don't know this are you just able to review a double minor but not a two-minute penalty like because they had the review on that double minor um which wasn't I don't think any refs saw it. I think like they just kind of let it go until Gosses was it was it Gosses Bear that took the high stick? Yeah. I think yeah, yeah. And, until he, you know, made enough of a fuss that they were like, oh, okay, yeah, you're bleeding. Um, versus uh that Sanderson uh delay of game penalty where he never touched the puck and they apparently I guess reviewing just wasn't an option. Like, do you know if there's a set rule of what you're allowed to versus not allowed to review when it comes well, to two, two things there. Number one, you can downgrade, you can downgrade. So when they took it to review, um, they, they evidently ruled, Hey, look, yep. This is double minor. Um, but I do want to laugh when you say things like kind of ambiguous, like the NHL rule book may as well not even exist. And I'm not, I'm yeah. not, I'm not even saying that like in the spirit of this game, I, I tell people all the time, like, especially if you're a hardcore hockey fan. And if you're listening to this, you absolutely are a hardcore hockey fan. Like go read, just spend 30 minutes and go read the NHL rule book. It is not, it, 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 it almost reads like a different sport compared to what is actually <laughs> called on the league and video review. And, and a lot of the changes that have come in the last five, seven years or so have, have even furthered the gap between, I guess, understanding the not just efficacy, but what officials are obligated to call or are not obligated to call um, and, and what that review process looks like. It's as nebulous to a hardcore fan as it is to anyone else. So I, that's, I I've, I've said it until I'm like, you know, blue in the face. The, the, there are a handful of things that disproportionately impede this league's ability to grow. And one of them is, you can never give any sort of confidence that the game is being officiated reasonably well because no one understands what that definition actually is. Like what is officiated well mean to you? It's very different to me. It's very different to someone else. There's no North star. Right. And that's, that's like, 
if if you had to go down the list of like the most bizarre things in the NHL, that might be number one. We we get a hundred right. hardcore hockey fans. They have a hundred different interpretations of the rules. Yeah, as an example, just the other day, I, I unfortunately don't remember the exact wording of it, but uh, a few games ago, someone had taken a charging penalty, and you know, looking back on it, I was like, for some reason, growing up playing hockey, I was always told it's if if, if it's it's three strides and it's charging, but then I look up the rule book and they don't even have a number; they just have well, if you're going at a dude way too fast, and it it's just the, the rule itself is is absolutely ridiculous so just like as an example of like a, something i've recently looked up in the rule book and I, I i came away more confused than i was uh before i had read it so that's that's never a good sign they they have it's an area where they they should make that a comprehensive off-season project to have the rule book even yeah, set aside right and wrong set aside preference what are mm-hmm. we intending to call how are we intending to call it this is the rule book going forward, and it's revised annually. Like, I, like it, you need to get to that point because the NHL, when it comes to officiating, is starting to veer more towards the NFL and less so the NBA, and at least specific to the black and white nature of how you want games officiated as a sports fan. You do not yeah. want to go the route of the NFL. The NFL the NFL's king. NFL's got just about everything else right. They don't necessarily have officiating right. And the NHL always seems like it's heading more in that direction than the NBA, which NBA has got plenty of things wrong, but I understand what the calls are going to be on a nightly basis. Right. And that's right. They also have things too, like, you know, there's, there's, there's different, there's different opinion, I think on it. And the NBA does something unique, or at least does, uh, has in years past. Um, they do like a two minute and under where they will review independently calls made or not, or calls not made in the final two minutes of a game. And the idea was, right, wrong, or otherwise, to give more transparency and and put spotlight on the effectiveness of officiating in games late and close when the calls maybe are more heightened and more matter. And I think it was their way of like, hey, look, we're not going to overly scrutinize our officials. We're not going to just literally adjudicate every single call that they possibly could or could not make. But in this smaller window, we are not only going to do this independently, we're going to do it transparently and constantly produce this for our fans. So you would see like, Hey, at uh, with you know a minute twenty seven seconds left, Rudy Gobert was called for a a contact foul. There was no foul on the play. That and and I don't know. Like to me, that that's it, it's not so much criticism; it's more so accountability for the league, for the officials, for the right. players. Yeah. In terms of like we are, we need to get into the same book. We may not be on the same chapter. Let's get in the same book. I, I just don't know that the NHL's done enough on that front. Yeah, and I don't think we were we're in for at any point any of the the top four sports to ever have you know question period with with officials like no one's they're never no one's ever going to put their officials on blast like that. But nope. yeah, if anything, the reviews like you just mentioned there, I think that's as close as we're going to get. So it would be nice to have that more widespread throughout the the top leagues. Amen to that. We'll see. Um, other than that, um. I do also want to touch on that with uh, with with Marilinen getting his first game and uh, Sokolov being called back up. Um, there there are six players drafted in the 2020 draft by the Sens on the roster in this game, and I think that um, is is both um, you know a, a testament to to their drafting ability, but also the you know the, the everyone knew how strong that draft class was going to be, and it, and not to say that the Sens are are you know. 
uh, impossible of having stinker drafts. Frankly, I think the 2021 draft class, as early as it is, the guys that got out of that draft class, uh, it's looking pretty rough. So uh, it's nice to know that at least one of them uh, seems to have hit because you got, obviously you got Tim Stutzla, Jake Sanderson, Ridley Gregg, Tyler Clevin. And now after today, bring back up Sokolov and then uh, Marilinen making his NHL debut. Um, so, you know, maybe a little too much pressure on, on one draft class to, to right the ship of an entire franchise, but so far it seems to be working. Tyler Clevin tonight, 73% of the expected goals, 64% of the shot share against the best, easily the best possession team in the league. Um, to your point, I, I think, you know, I think the excitement broadly about the last few years of prospects coming up into the Ottawa system was mostly justified. Like I, anytime you get deep into a rebuild, you, no matter what, it doesn't matter who you pick prospect porn is going to be endless in any market. Oh, yeah. and, it, and it tends to be much more pump and dump than anything else. But Ottawa went through this very lengthy period with a lot of really high premium picks. And by the way, like Ottawa to their credit, the one thing they've done very well over the last 10, 15 years is draft, right? I mean, you, you, I put them on, you know, an equivalent. I can't remember a couple of years ago, I looked at this. I want to say it was like San Jose, Buffalo, Ottawa. There was like this short list of teams that time and again um, proved that they could beat relative draft expectations um, mm-hmm. or at least the median performance you would expect from given draft classes. And to me, that's a feather in the cap for Ottawa. But the question in Ottawa has never been, at least recently, can they find talent, young talent? Um, can they develop that young talent, right? That might be an issue in many markets. It's not in Ottawa. The issue in Ottawa is when they, when they get to the NHL, it used to be, can they even afford some of these guys? But also, yeah. you know, how do they think about roster building and line, line combinations and really like a one to three year plan? Mm-hmm. And how do they see and evaluate other rosters around the league, especially at the professional level, because that's where Ottawa has struggled mightily is understanding talent or lack thereof in the other 31 markets, which is a, that's the kind of offset and why I think Pierre Dorian and, and the front officer and they're, they're still in this tightrope block because in one breath, you can hang your hat on these, these impressive draft classes and they are impressive. It's not, look how much they're producing at the NHL level, the guys who maybe matured three, four years in, and look how many guys are coming through the ranks in the last 18 months. It, it's very impressive. But they shoot themselves in the foot time and time again when it comes to trades and free agency at the NHL level. And it, it always it always seems one step forward, one step back, at least in the last six, seven years. And you look at a season like this, there's a handful of games left. Where are they at in gold differential? They're like negative seven, negative eight. Yeah. The definition of a mediocre team, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and that's not a criticism. It's not a compliment. It's just kind of where they are kind of makes you wonder if they didn't misfire on a couple uh, a couple of these really really bigger you know the more sizable deals that they did in the last three four years were they a playoff team this year i think the answer might have been yes but uh, yeah i mean I, th- I think the other question i think the other thing that you have to bring up as well is just how fine that line of you know finally nailing a rebuild is versus just completely destroying it like you look at a team like buffalo who seems like they're finally over the hump after a decade what what happens if the sharks don't bottom out and the Sens don't get tim stutzla on that carlson trade like nor still probably looks pretty good um you know just like as an example it's just it's just you know i i, I do think that you know the management of the Sens is getting a lot of deserved praise for for how they've managed to turn things around 
Um, you know, not to say there's a specific reason why, but now that they have more freedom to do what they want to do in the last, you know, year or sure. so. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that it's important to remember that a lot of things went strangely well. That, that probably shouldn't have at the same time. So it's a lot that, of luck. That is but, true. You know. That is true. And even even to your even to the point, right? Like the the one for many trade that that I, you know, my myself criticized Pierre Dorian for when they made the Eric Carlson deal. I was very critical of the Carlson deal. I was very critical of the Stone deal. The Stone deal still looks bad. The it's Carlson still, yeah. deal looks the Stone the, the Carlson deal looks a lot better. Um on two points. Number one, that quality for quantity trade that pretty rarely yeah, actually pans out. It seems yeah. like it panned out well in spades here. And that's just reflecting on what Ottawa realized from that trade. And like, I'm not even, I, I'll, you can carve out what they lost, which was a handful of years of, let's say relative underperformance from Eric Carlson, but like tip your captain this year to me, he oh, is, yeah. he is the no doubt about it. Norris trophy. I don't. I, I've been watching hockey most of my life. I don't remember the last time I've watched such a dreadful hockey team have such an obvious standout trophy winner like Carlson's been for San Jose. So you know, I, I overall that trade has clearly become a win for Ottawa. But I also want to tip my cap to Eric Carlson because oh, for sure. he has been indisputably, in my opinion, the best defenseman in the NHL this year. It, it honestly, like, and I mean, this is obviously it's completely subjective, but I. It always upset me, or it, it just annoyed me more, I guess. Whenever I see, whenever I've seen, like especially this year, like Sens fans bummed that Carlson's bounced back. Like it, I think that's it's so it's so stupid. Like I'm thrilled. It's weird. For the I guy. thought I thought he was, you know, I, I I I would feel like he would have that shield around him, like very few guys do, like a Daniel Alfredson type. Like were there yeah. people actively rooting against Daniel Alfredson in Detroit? Like. Maybe if you didn't understand the reason he was in Detroit, maybe you rooted against him. But anyone yeah. who knew the backstory or even part of it knew that he was pushed out. Um, I, I never understood. Carlson was super loyal to the city. He was, he, he's, he's been there. I, you can make an argument. He, he's he's already on their Mount Rushmore, at least oh, for the, fran sure. the franchise yeah. Mount Rushmore. There's, Without I, a doubt. I got, I, I got into a debate a few weeks ago where someone had someone had tried to um, make the argument uh, that, that they didn't think his number was like – ring worthy in ottawa and i'm like i i anyone who's watched the senators in the last 20 years the best player the best the best player you've watched is eric carlson and by the way that might be the last 30 35 years you can make an argument alpha is a better leader and whatever the case is that yeah, the but purely on ice, to, like but but eric carlson on the yeah. ice is the most talented player anyone in ottawa watched yeah I'm super happy the season he's having. Um, I, oh, for I, sure. I, I think it's, I think it's a great story. And I also think it's great in light of um, a lot of guys in that group with that, that, that Renaissance of like these, Oh, we can put these like really gifted offensive players on the blue line. Like there was the Drew Doughty year, the PK Subban year, the Eric Carl, you know, it, it, they, they seem to come in waves. A lot of those guys, did not age well. Subban, obviously, at the top of the list, but he's not alone. And mm. Carlson was definitely going down that path with the Achilles injury and inability to stay on the ice. And yeah. I, I, I'm just – I think it's great. It, it's not just great for him. Um, I think it's great for the sport because you always want to see – the way I think about it anyway, like I always want to see skill generally rewarded. And however mm. you define that, I, no one wants to see games mucked up and one nothing scores. And they, like, that's just not where the NHL is right now. And uh, I, I think like I, I uh, part of his, part of his Norris trophy argument, and quite frankly, 
it's becoming his career argument. Uh, if you look at San Jose season to date with Eric Carlson on the ice, they have outscored teams this year. And it is the most <laughs> That's remarkable. They are so bad, it's not even funny. They're like negative 75 with them off the ice. Um, but they are a playoff team with him on the ice. And that, like, that unfortunately, absent like a couple of years in Ottawa where the broader team was better, it's become a bit of a career note for yeah. him um, that he is this insanely good player on otherwise really shaky, poor talent teams. And and it wouldn't be the most NHL thing ever to be like, well, you know what? What if we didn't just do it by points this year? Because I mean, like, call me call me a biased sense fan. I think he should have two more Norris trophies by this point. Um, the Drew Doughty year, the Drew Doughty yeah. year at a minimum, he should have two Norris trophies. And the year he lost to Doughty was ridiculous. I mean, there, there was no. I I think I put together like a. 6,000 word diatribe on how (laughs) it was infuriating. It was one of the, it was one of the worst decisions voting wise. Um, And it, and it, I remember that, that awards race, it was very much some media types and the Kings locally, which you understand really fanning the flames of, Oh, it's his year. It's his year. It's Dowdy's year. And I'm like, well, why, why is it his year? I don't What is this? Like, isn't it just, you give it to the best player and Travis, Travis, he was due. He was yeah, due. he was due. That was the quote. That was the saying. You remember this, yeah. right? He was yeah, Dowdy's due. He's been waiting for a long yeah. time. I'm like, he can wait another year. Eric Carlson's outplayed him this year. Yeah. It's Never. it's it's ridiculous. But um yeah. Uh I do as, as even though this is an Ottawa show, I do want to talk about Carolina uh specifically because they are weird in a very specific way. Um so Carolina uh, is unlike a lot of the top tier teams in that they don't really have one clear number one offensive driver. Um, and I think you may have a very strong opinion on this because you've been like on Twitter, like from the start of this season, you've been right on the fact that scoring is up and save percentage is dying this season. Um, and then Carolina's in in this weird league of their own in that. So uh, their, their, their leading scorer, Natchez, is uh, rocking 0.89 points per game. The only two other playoff teams whose leading score is lower than that are the Islanders with Brock Nelson at .88, which, I mean, sure, I mean, like, you can take trots out of the team, or you can take the team away from trots. I guess you can't take the trots out of the team. And then there's Seattle, which is even weirder with Vince Dunn being their leading scorer with a .83 points per game, which is so strange. But all that to say, there's only three teams. So, you know, with 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 Natchez leading Carolina in scoring, there's only two teams whose leading score is scoring at a s- slower pace, I guess. And those are both wild card teams right now, not you know a a, a true true contender. Um, so I I is that is that just a you know it has has the uh, has a scoring effect just not hit Carolina or can you actually no. just make such a such a strong team by having no one you know at like the top echelon of players but just like a whole bunch of like above average guys filling out your roster that's exactly it that's that's a large large piece of it they have done and, and this is the way I see Carolina and I do I am maybe three four years ago Carolina was still a very good team. They mm-hmm. were – maybe there was a handful of teams like them, very possession dominant. Um, but now in a very heightened scoring environment, they do look a bit of an outlier because they do not score at the same rates that some of the top-tier teams do. But you know what Carolina always does? Carolina always has the puck. They always have the puck. 
And if you look, expected goal rates against at even strength, shots conceded at even strength, they are number one, they are number one. Their goalies see very little. And I do think it is a, it is a testament to the Carolina front office. You remember three, four, five years ago how we talked about the Hurricanes? Wow, they always have the puck. And if they would look like an elite team if there were no nets on the ice, but you get 880 goaltending every single night and it's a complete yeah. disaster. It's not really the case anymore in Carolina. So now you have adequate goaltending in, in an environment where they're seeing so, so few shots relative to the league average that they do not have the same degree of scoring pressure that other teams around the league do. That's number one. Number two, and I, I mentioned this last week, they are currently killing penalties in terms of goals conceded for 60 minutes at the same rate as a league average team does at even strength. It's so nuts. you have a massive penalty kill advantage. You give up absolutely nothing at even strength, and you win heavily on differential. As long as you're scoring in an adequate rate, you're going to look like one of the best teams in the league, and that's exactly where Carolina is. And by the way, I don't think it's a surprise. Ottawa, who I do think is a relatively deeper team um, talent-wise, I, I actually think that Ottawa, we're still trying to figure out where the top-end skill is beyond Stutzla. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and debatably where you stand on Shabbat or Kachuk, but – Ottawa, I think, is one of the deeper teams, especially at the forward level um, in the league. And look at the game they just played against Carolina, where we're singing Ottawa's praises. They were super competitive. Their fourth line got clocked. I mean, they got absolutely smoked, right? And it's that's the, that's the challenge with Carolina is, is, even in a playoff series, you cannot be a two, three-line team against Carolina because they will eat you alive at the bottom of the lineup like few other teams in the league can. And that's how they win games. Yeah, it's an interesting point you brought up. Like you're like yeah, like like you said, yeah, Carolina carried the puck so strong for years, and it was just a matter of time until they got their goaltending. But is it actually now? Because looking at their goaltending the last little while, are, have they almost turned into another version of the Islanders where their goalies are playing well? Like, look at, like I mean, perfect example I think would be Nedeljkovic. Dude looks phenomenal. Goes to Detroit and just falls apart. Um, and so I'm wondering, like, do you, th- I mean, obviously, like, as you're building a team, hopefully you're going to be improving other aspects of the team, but has, you know, has their defense, because I, I, as far as I know, I believe that the Bruins are the only team who've allowed more uh, goals in the Hurricanes this season, or, or fewer, rather, fewer goals. Um, you know, maybe just has the team gotten to that point where maybe not quite, you know, like Islanders under trots, where Leonard and, and, and Grice suddenly turn into both like 930-ish goalies. Um, you know, do you think that it's still more so uh, just the fact that they're getting the goalies who get the job done now or a little bit of trickling in with the uh, better defense, I guess, than say five, six years ago? Yeah, I, I think it's three things. I, I, I don't think there's much of an argument. I think the goaltending talent has improved on a relative For basis. Sure. I, I do think the question is how much is that actually worth? I think that's a fair point. I, I would say this. This is purely anecdotal, purely qualitative observation. The Carolina of like four or five years ago really wanted to get up and down the ice a t- like with like bliss- more uh, seemingly a blistering pace. And although that can yield a lot of success going north, it puts right. you at risk coming south. It feels like Carolina now plays with a lot more control and 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 there's there's a lot maybe 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 the better way to say it is fewer rush opportunities, more sequencing and cycling of with control of the puck in the offensive mm-hmm. zone, more transitioning, clean transitions through the neutral. And the other thing that's very obvious when you watch Carolina game with their upgraded blue line, which I think is a point, multi shot shifts against Carolina, you it's like seeing a lunar eclipse. I mean, you, they pretty much can, will give you 
maybe one good, maybe one decent crack in terms of a scoring chance. You got to thread two, three different needles, or the puck's coming back out. You got to reset, or they've got the puck and they're transitioning to offense. Like that, that's how it feels watching a Carolina game. And I, it's, it's, it's so funny because I have, I have, uh, I have three. I never, I never take Stanley Cup futures tickets. Um, but I, very early in the year, I saw a very obvious talent imbalance in the conferences. Um, and Edmonton for everything that ails that team, you look around and it's like, okay, Vegas could get them. Dallas could get them. Colorado who had a, a litany of injuries when they're healthy, they obviously can get them. But like the path is a lot different in the West. The reason why I bring it right. up is I took care. I took tickets out on Vegas and Edmonton very early because I thought combined one of the two had a pretty good chance of coming out of the West this is back in October, November. And then towards mid season, which I'm a bit of a fool considering Sveshikov's injury. I thought Carolina was being underpriced a, a little bit relative to Boston. And I was like, well, you know what? Rather than take a futures bet on Carolina, I'll bet them on each series because it's it'll be more creative for me. But I was like, you know what? What the hell? It's a, it's a small amount. So I took, a, I took a futures on Carolina. So three futures tickets. And so I watch Carolina games a fair bit more than the average Eastern Conference team. I watch Edmonton games a tad bit more than the average Western Conference team. Carolina and Edmonton, it almost looks like they're playing a different sport sometimes. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know how else to describe it. Carolina always has the puck, and it's very methodical, and it just seems like they come at you with waves, and right. every line looks exactly the same. And the only player you recognize is Brent Burns. And then Edmonton, it's like, oh, that guy is maybe the best player I've ever seen play this sport ever, 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 ever. And then he's got a teammate who's like maybe a top three player in the league right now. And when they're on the ice, it's like absolutely magical. And then when they're not, it's like, oh yeah, they're, they're just, they're okay. They're fine. Um, But I just think back of that. It's like, even in the NHL now where you've got this heightened scoring environment and a lot of teams think similarly, you've got two such fundamentally different teams. Even in this case, we talked about Carolina having this massive advantage on the penalty kill relative to their peers and being a dominant, even strength Mm -hmm. team. The Oilers' power play is so far head and shoulders better than whoever's chasing them in any given month. It's it's such a significant gap that the Oilers can be an almost subpar even strength team that they're scoring at that rate on power play, and they do. Um, That would be a fascinating Stanley Cup. It would be a very lucrative one for Travis Yost, but it would be a fascinating Stanley Cup. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, that's – I just imagining defending those teams. Like, if you ever play those teams back-to-back, and it's just a completely different system. With Carolina, like you said, there's this methodical, just this – wave of several guys coming at you at once and then in Edmonton it's like as soon as that one guy touches the puck it's just oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck I think it's off the ice okay we can breathe here's the scary part about (laughs) oh fuck I feel like that's an understatement here's the scary part about Carolina is there anyone on planet earth who thinks that organization is not well run like they've got this incredible balance sheet this super deep lineup and their brain trust is generally regarded as tops in the yeah. NHL or in, in that top three, top four mix. And I, I'm biased. I know, I know, you know, multiple people in the organization. I, I think exceptionally highly of them. Um, but I feel like that's consensus opinion, right? Most oh, people talk sure. about Carolina. So, yeah. Like they're they're like this hallmark franchise now in the, in the belt. Like this is the way we can build a build a lineup from the ground up. Um, that's terrifying because they don't have such significant salary. 
obligations that would preclude no. them from being a contender in the future. I mean, they feel like they're here to stay for a long time. <sighs> just another, just another, another team to add to the list in the East. That's going to be a problem forever. <laughs> it's just the way it is. So at least I, I, in the division. Yeah. So I want to wrap up the show with uh, asking you a question that you asked me last time you were on the show. You right. asked me what I thought the Sens should do with Debrinket. Um, so at the time, uh, 26 games into the season, he had six goals and 21 points. Since then, he has 20 goals, 43 points in 52 games. So still not quite the you know the the ratio you're looking for for him. Um, sure. But I think this game is as good an example as any that he's just kind of embraced this playmaker style and it's working for him. Um, he's not putting up the 40, 50 goals that we all wanted him to, but. Um, yeah, I, and I think my, my answer was, it was essentially extend him long-term in the summer or move him so you can avoid having to move him after he takes that QO uh, at the deadline. So I would love to have your input on this now. What do you think is the best move for the Sens? So you're, to just to be clear, you're saying it's either, you're saying you're qualifying, not that I would recommend it, but you would, you would give no consideration whatsoever to the qualifying offer. I just... I, I don't want to move him at the deadline is the only thing because either you either move him at the deadline to get peanuts back or he walks. Um, and with, with the way the team is, and I, honestly, I think they have this kind of short two year window where they still have chicken at that price and Sanderson's on his ELC. So if you're going to like really go for it, it's in these next two seasons. And maybe with that, you think, okay, well, if you're really going to go for it, then like do keep to bring it no matter how you have to do it. But it just gives me anxiety, man. It really, really does. I I would say my, my answer would be this. There's a comma, but it's a very small one. I would go long term with the Brinkett. I think he's a I think he's a well-established mm-hmm. top six player in this league. And you don't you cannot, if you're Ottawa, let top six talent walk after you've spent the last seven years, six years, I've lost track, um, trying to build talent. Right. through a pipeline uh, that that really has materialized better than you could ever have, have hoped for, to be honest. I mean, the, the prospect pool yeah. is fantastic. We just got done 20 minutes raving about it, and they're still well on the outside looking in come yeah. playoff time, right? Like, that that's the reality of it. And to me, that's a pretty high bar you have to clear. I would say with one exception, this is vague, but it, if there is NHL, there's no reason to be tied to Alex to bring it specifically. If there is NHL ready talent, one for one type trades readily, readily available. And sure. I know that those were never, never around for, it felt like 10, 15 years, but you know, I, I go back to the Patrick line, Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. Like we, right. we've seen a handful of these instances in the past, especially more recently. If that, if that player is out there, and if they can get a, a somebody to put on the blue line and give them a little bit of slack in an area where I still think they're betting a little more on unknowns than knowns when it comes to their defensive development. Um, if you can go out and acquire a bona fide, uh, high quality defender um, and, and, and put him back there with Chikrin, with Zub, I, with Shabbat, I think you can have a, a relatively decent forward crop, one of the better blue lines in the entire league, mm-hmm. and really start looking like a team like Carolina. Because I, I bring this up for one reason. Ottawa, for the talent they do have, they only have a couple of really bona fide finishers, snipers right. of the puck. Now, Josh Norris being out of the lineup obviously has has diminished some of that. Um, but 
even look at Brady Kachuk. Brady Kachuk, for as talented that he is, he's a pretty low percentage shooter, and he has been in his career. And there's really no reason to think that's going to change. Um, I, I think there might be merit to playing a very possession dominant grind you down, build ourselves more reliably defensively, but really yeah. own the puck type of team, because I think that's where their talent actually skews. And if you look at the numbers this year, I mean, they were pretty much break even or better from a possession standpoint most of the year, which I, to me, that's that's a huge compliment to where this team has become. They weren't always great at converting on scoring chances. They certainly certainly have some work to do building out the rest of the lineup in the forward, in the forward group. But I, I think that if, that if there is an NHL for NHL type deal there, you certainly have no reason to be tied to the brinket, but I do think you go long-term. That's option A. Oh yeah. I think uh, we're, we're, we're quickly running out of time here. So I'll just get a yes or no uh, answer from you on this one. For me, it's a yes. If he says I'll sign eight by eight and a half tomorrow. Eight by eight and a half partial no trade. Can I negotiate that? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Throw that 10 in team? There. Yeah. I don't, I, any, anything with a full I'm out, I would be out on because there's no reason to commit that way. Um, right. but beyond that, yeah, I, I would say yes. So okay. I still gave you 50 words. The answer is yes. Yeah. All good. All right. Well, Travis, thank you so much for coming back on the show, man. I really, really appreciate it. And, uh, for everyone watching at home, make sure to like the stream and subscribe to SDPN and a uh, whole bunch of episodes of game over tonight, bunch of Canadian teams in action tonight. So, uh, once again, Travis, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate it. Appreciate you, Charlie. Take care, bud. See ya. by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.